0: Welcome into episode number 83 here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. Noah Grant joining you on this Sunday morning alongside my co-host Nick Maxson, who took you in the Huskies hockey game last night as well. We're going to obviously break that one down a little bit of women's hockey. It was actually a split for both teams this weekend on the Huskies hockey side. Uh, and then we're going to discuss a little bit of Minnesota wild hockey as well. Bless you. Mr. Oh my goodness. I and Of course I have to wait till they start talking this you thing, know, unbelievable. There are some moments when we do this podcast that they happen and I go, do I take that out or not? I think that one's going to stay. <laughs> I really goes. I really do. It's a natural thing so I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I I have no words, you know, and I also have no words about last night's game as well, too. But of course, we're going to uh, get into that one. Don't worry. We're going to get into that one. But uh, why don't we start it off with a, a sneeze list, Nick Maxson, uh, starting us off for the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. Center Ice View news and notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com.
1: you know the center ICU you <laughs> weekly roundup, up and if it's not a sneeze apparently it's a voice crack here early um here on this sunday morning it's just i my body just can't seem to get it together here. I, no, this well, you is know- just
0: you know, we talked about this uh moments ago. I think we just imagined Caleb Peabody writing notes furiously here. There's another one I don't think he's
1: gonna write notes. I think he's already writing my my uh my Obituary. here. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, <laughs> uh, but uh you know we're we're gonna start obviously with the college hockey scene here. Uh <laughs> the split earned by St. Cole State uh at the home and home series got the win on Friday, two to one against the Gophers. And then uh kind of a controversial uh four or three <laughs> overtime win for the Gophers uh, back at the Brooks National Hockey Center and that game being played on homecoming night there up in St. Cloud. Uh, I think we're probably going to do a little bit more of a, a deep dive on that uh, a little bit later in the show. So I'll, we'll keep it just at that surface level for now. Um, next weekend, we'll welcome in the Wisconsin Badgers uh, for the first time since 2013. Um, again, this non-conference schedule, we talked about it a lot, Noah. A lot of these old, uh, very close rivals come in uh, on the schedule, and I really do hope because, again, Uh, state club, number two golfers, number four, Wisconsin, not quite up there as far as, uh, you know, a team in the rankings, but you know, this, this, this schedule has to stay. It just has to, but it's created a lot of early excitement and a couple of top five matchups and back-to-back weekends for the Huskies. So I think it's, it's good for the game of hockey. It's good for fans, uh, and just good for the players too. Yeah. Let's go over to the women's side. Um, actually, I say again, because I can't also read it this morning. (laughs) Yeah, I we can we just you, start from scratch. <laughs> you were just feeling it this I morning. Just, yeah, it it was a long day yesterday.
0: Hey, what is in that orange juice this morning? That's my question. Is a little bit of pick me up.
1: What what isn't in the orange juice? Maybe that's the better question. <laughs> um, There's no pulp. That's the good thing. I don't <laughs> like pulp in my orange juice. Well, I think that checks out because I'm a big
0: pulp guy. So okay. <laughs> I think that definitely checks out. I uh, um yeah, Mason Solquist had had a great weekend. We're going to touch on the men's hockey thing as well too. Um, you know, and, and it was it really was a great weekend of hockey, and that extended both ways. Um, the men's hockey series still was very good. Women's hockey earning their split, like we talked about. Saint Thomas uh, coming into the fold with them Friday night uh, a three to two loss for them, uh, kind of a tough one, and then a two to two tie that the Huskies won in a shootout uh, on home ice yesterday against, uh, like I mentioned, Saint Thomas uh, entering uh, Taylor Land. Uh, Ellie Anderson, the goal scorers on Friday night. Uh, Sonia Holo was in net on that first evening, and then it was Clara Himlerova and Olivia Savar tallying goals on Saturday. Emma Palusny in net that night, and then uh, St. Cloud's Zone Ali Cornelius uh, burying the shootout winner in that one. So uh, the team improving to two three and one in the season. They're going to travel to Ohio State uh, this Friday and Saturday for some WCHA action. That'll be a that'll be a that'll be a big test for them, I think as well. Uh, and I think it's a good. Uh, measuring stick Ohio State's kind of been that middle of the pack team uh, as far as the the last big dog looking in so to speak you know them and Duluth have kind of been filling that three and four spot uh, in the WCHA so uh, yeah it should be exciting and uh, yeah it's nice to nice to see the women's hockey team get off on on a good foot really in theory they're three three and one but that exhibition game against Bemidji State doesn't count but they held their own against the Beavers as well too so
1: uh, this team is on the rise and doing a lot of good things. That is uh, speaking of stuff on the riser. No, you know, when we get to October, you know, a lot of the signings we talked about, you know, those restricted free agents signings uh, finally getting completed. And then you get to the start of the season. These start to look at who needs to be signed in 2022 for the 2020 23 season. So we've had some extensions already. Okay. Uh, first is uh, Charlie's, uh, Charlie McAvoy, the Boston Bruins, 8 years, $76 million extension. For the Islanders, Ryan Pollock at eight years as well. Uh, Brady Kachuk, as we talked about, he was the last big RFA to be signed, seven years, $57.5 million. And then again, coming back to some of the extensions for next year, Nashville locking up uh, Matisse Eckholm, four years, 25 million. Nick Suzuki, the former yeah. Vegas, Gold, uh, Vegas Gold Knights draft pick, uh, 63 million to eight years, a lot of eight year extensions being handed out uh, to a lot of these players. Uh, Chicago read up uh, Eric Branson for a one year. And then Tampa Bay head coach John Cooper given a three year extension. Uh, Surprised it wasn't more after back-to-back Stanley Cups, but I digress from that. Um, only one trade uh, was defense and only Levy uh, from Vancouver over to Florida. Um and then uh blue liner Noah Juleson for forward, Ua Lamiko headed back to uh, Vancouver. Um, yes, I did not pre-read the script. So thank you very much for, uh, you throwing me that, uh, my way early this Sunday morning after a very long (laughs) 13 and a half hour day um, on the broadcast yesterday. The the big, the big gist is, um, really good forward prospects. (laughs) <laughs> yes, very good for backs. And, and then Columbus uh, Boone Jenner, um, not transactionals, but named the seventh captain in franchise history after again Nick Foligno uh, parted ways last season towards Toronto, then again re signing as a free agent in Boston this season. Uh, Mark Giordano, um, obviously first captain in Se- uh, Seattle Kraken history. Um, and uh, speaking of the Kraken, they did win their first ever game uh, here against Nashville uh, in game number two of the season. They're one on one. Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all.
0: Not too shabby. That would be uh 500, as the kids say. Um, our last topic, I, I do want to pass. point out. <laughs> I'm pretty good at that. Hey, I did want to point out, by the way, it was Eric Gustafson for Chicago, not Eric Goodbranson. Um, just a little side note there. Um, the younger defenseman, Goodbranson, a little bit older, but uh, kind of a journeyman NHL. Who does Goodbranson play for? nowadays i don't even Isn't remember it vancouver i thought it was vancouver too i could be wrong but anyway he's really had a journeyman career and it really made the best of his um time as we kind of talked about florida and their young guns he was a longtime florida panther that really kind of carved his role as a as a steady third-pairing defenseman, but uh, um, third-pairing defensemen, sometimes they're liable to injuries. We have some injury news and some interesting tidbits as well uh, to close out the weekly roundup here. Uh, first, the NHL has announced that just four players uh, remain unvaccinated as the season begins. Um, and as things kick off, the New York Rangers uh, announced that they have a new face on MSG Network. It's going to be longtime goaltender and franchise leader in a lot of statistics, uh, Henrik Lundqvist. He joined their broadcast crew. Um, he almost signed, of course, with the Washington Capitals to kind of finish off his career there but unfortunately heart issues derailed that but speaking of the capitals uh current captain and sharpshooter alex ovechkin has passed marcel dion to take fifth on the all-time goals list with 732 nick i see you raising your finger i know exactly what you're gonna say you're, you're gonna you're gonna say he did sign but he didn't actually play a game so say technically he terminated his own contract i just tried to keep it simple but yes i i I figured you were gonna. In my head, when I wrote Any it last any
1: night, any time that I can say you're wrong it makes me feel <laughs> good. So.
0: <laughs> I, I, I saw it, I saw the gears turning in your head. I'm like, I know what he's gonna say. I'm like, I'm just trying to keep it simple. But speaking of simple things, in injury news, a couple of injuries. Washington Capitals having one of those uh, kind of a tough one for them. Nicholas Backstrom right now, long term injured reserve with a hip injury right now. Uh, Toronto is gonna be without Peter Morazic in that for two weeks, and Ilya Mikheyev eight weeks, uh, broken thumb for him. Yeah, boy, it's a tough one for for him after essentially asking to be traded. Um, And then Austin Matthews' is day-to-day. Vegas, a difficult time for them right now. The one that we know about, Max Pacioretty, he's week-to-week with a fractured foot. Um, And then Mark Stone, still haven't heard anything on him, but uh, didn't look very good. And then the last one, Vancouver's Brandon Sutter,
1: uh, out for the foreseeable future uh, with long-term complications from COVID-19. Just a quick note on Ilya Mikhaeov. Uh, you know, that that's quite the injury luck. Remind you, Mikhaeev was the one that took the uh the state um to the wrist, I believe. And yeah. it was out for half of the season, I think two years ago. Um and made a recovery. And then as you mentioned this year, um during the summer, was essentially not happy with his role, was asking for a trade. Toronto said no, thank you. And I think he was getting a look on the top six, if I recall, and then uh unfortunately now it gets a broken thumb. So um I don't know if that's hockey karma, but uh, that's just not good luck for Ilya Mikheyev. Yeah, maybe it's uh, maybe it's just Kyle Dubas saying, all right,
0: we're going in. We're snapping right. this kid's thumb. We're not going to make it happen. No, that doesn't happen in the NHL. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But nonetheless, that will do it for the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. Welcome in episode number 83 Noah Grant alongside Nick Maxson Uh, early on this Sunday morning Nick you were you were busy and back at it in the hockey world especially last night you did a fantastic job uh, on Fox 9 during Husky productions during the game I heard a lot of compliments on social media as well as my own parents they were actually uh, they're big Golden Gopher fans and they actually got to take in the game last night on NCHC TV because the way the scheduling worked and it's kind of funny my uh <laughs> my mom texted me and she goes did they just say nick maxson and i'm like yeah and she goes is that your nick maxson i'm like there ain't a lot of nick maxson's that i know of that do huskies hockey but nonetheless good job man
1: thank you man um uh, not not the most clean performance in some of those things uh there is uh, actually in the post game for the men's actually uh, you know you have notes written on my laptop and uh you know, I'm usually looking halfway up at the, at the screen as well as on my notes, just to make sure that as you're describing what's happening in matches and I actually lost my, my spot. So I was trying to f- remember the goal for <laughs> players going to his first go Aaron Howland. Mm-hmm. And I feel so terrible because, you know, first collegiate goal, I mean, your parents, that's kind of like part of that thrill. as you know, you get yeah. your name called on television and I goofed it up. So I am not so happy about that, but overall not terrible. Um, We'll have to just uh, make sure we highlight those names in the, in the notes next time. But uh, yeah, yeah I felt pretty good. Um, again, two really, really good games to call yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. I think reason why i I think I'm so brain dead today, just today. <laughs> so do not ever <laughs> jump on my case about that. It's just uh, a lot of hockey. Again, that crew, um, such a great job. Uh, You know, HP is is, is certainly the premier student run um, organization. And for those who don't know, um, who watch the Fox 9 broadcast, there is nothing that isn't done by a student other than Jim, yeah. Pat, and Mark. Everything else, graphics, the cameras, again, myself and Rachel being the two uh, personalities on the on the screen that you're seeing, but so many behind the scenes that do such an incredible job putting that together. It is an absolutely, it's just a, such a great group to be a part of. And if for those, honestly, who want to get into broadcasting who are looking um, at that, to know that that's all student-run to Saint cloud state and that's no joke um i wouldn't be where i am right now without being at that school so get your butts up there if you want to you know yeah a job in sports broadcasting so yeah i would
0: definitely agree my question is first of all um cam one the main camera was
1: that gavin nelson last night who was was was... not gavin nelson um Mm -hmm. in fact a lot of the crew this year are first timers in fact Uh uh, actually gavin gavin was actually beside me Uh, covering in the replay room. Um, We had a a crew member go down uh, last uh, week or so uh, with an illness. So just out of caution, we decided, you know what, we're just not going to risk it. Um, So uh, he covered the the replay. There's um, another person that's uh, a second year for a replay. And uh, so, you know, again, uh, you talk about some of the harder jobs, obviously being the technical director. So the one that's mm-hmm. switching between the look, switching into the graphics—that's such a fast-moving job. Uh, the audio board um, is insanely difficult with so many sliders. You've seen that audio board when I've done some basketball games, Noah. It's that same one, uh, but replay, man—you got uh, myself who's trying to you know pull clips for my because uh, you're producing that, you know. So when I'm in the replay room. And watching the games, I'm watching a screen that's got 17 different looks. And so I get to kind of pick and choose which highlights go in uh, the, the intermission reports. And so not only are they listening to me, but they to gotta listen to the producer, listen to, to the director. It's a very difficult position. And, you know, a lot of those guys, they just rocked it last night. So really good showing for Husky Productions on Fox Night Plus yesterday.
0: You know, I mean, it, it is kind of incredible actually, to, you know, for people who don't know what goes on behind the scenes, especially with live TV, how many different people, how many different people are control in control of various aspects and, and more importantly, how little people are in control of overseeing all of those aspects at once, if that makes sense. So, you know, the yeah. producers, they do a fantastic job at, and obviously all the people, you know, right on down to the janitor sweeps the floors. I mean, you know, it's just incredible to see how the product comes together and, you know how many people do play a hand in that, so no, I mean, I mean, it was fun to watch. um Did a really nice job. I had, you know, not only let me say, I said my parents. You know, my dad went to the University of Minnesota, so they were watching the game. But uh, you know, I had a couple of other friends who were watching the game too, who who said the same thing that you know, because of course they know that I went to Saint Cloud State. They said they do a really great job um there on the broadcast. So obviously, it was exciting to see you be a part of it. And you know, I had a friend over watching the game last night, and. I said um you know during the post game show of course they were you know um Jim Pat and Mark were breaking down kind of what happened and I said can we get to the part where my friend is on the TV <laughs> Let's, let's get to that part. I want to see that part. So, um, of course, we love uh, Jim, Pat, and Mark as well. We want to get Mark on the show at some point. We'd love to have him uh, one day. But, of course, uh, Pat Micheletti, a uh, two-time guest. And uh, Jim Rich uh, joined you about a month and a half ago. So, um, obviously, um, three really great guys uh, to cover some Husky Saki. They had an enjoyable broadcast last night, I thought, as well, too. Um Uh, Just three boys, uh, for lack of a better term, shooting the shit, talking hockey. Um, So it was exciting to uh, uh, see that as well, too. But uh, I mean, you could see it you could see uh, on Mark's face, you know, that definitely was not the way they wanted that game to end last night. But we're going to get into some uh, men's hockey in just a second. I want to start quickly here with the women's hockey team. Uh, a Three to two loss, a tight one on Friday night. Uh, Sonia Hola and Nat, I believe she only had, she had 14 saves on 17 total shots. So it was just one of those games where uh, it was quality over quantity uh, for St. Thomas and then uh, two to two tie with that shootout victory for Ali Cornelius Emma Mopaluzny and net on that one. Uh, Nick, St. Thomas, kind of an unknown full foe for this women's hockey team. Um, we finally see Clara Himmler over to get on the board a little bit um, and back into action. I should say Olivia Savar looking good. <clears throat> Tallying her points. Taylor Lind is on the board too. I, uh, you know, what do you take away from this women's hockey team against a team that you really didn't know a whole lot about coming in?
1: Uh, you know, first of all, for for St. Thomas, uh, man, they they look pretty darn good. Um, and for those, I think the bigger question is who's coaching this team? That's Joel Johnson. He was the assistant for the Gophers for the last like 10 years. So they've got a pretty good pedigree um and uh up at the head coach position. And then uh, one of the assistant coaches, I don't know, this might ring a bell for those in the men's side, Marty Servich. Yeah. Um, so I mean they they this, this team is a very, very well coached, very respected folks, especially in the Minnesota hockey landscape. And you can see it with their offense. Um, You know, they're really, really good in terms of, uh, you know, trying to create cycles, trying to, you know, get to the middle of the ice, get to the front of the net. Um, And defensively, very, very good as well. I know Friday night, uh, Huskies had over 40 shots on that. Uh, but if you look at the shot chart, a lot of them coming from those low danger areas, from the side wall, from the point, um, also did a good job of of blocking shots and deflecting shots. So, I mean, uh, this, this team is starting to play the right way. Um, and again, you can tell that, you know, with just, you know, some of the, uh, some of the things I saw yesterday. Uh, the Huskies uh, were trying to, uh, you know, essentially switch from trying to set up zone time to try to get some offense on the rush, just because, again, it was so hard, even with puck possession in the offensive zone, to really turn anything from that into a great A scoring opportunity. And you got to give St. Thomas credit for protecting their netminder. There were some breakdowns here, and they're like, you know, on both sides. But for the most part, I think the Huskies, um, you know, were probably secondary for offense. I think the Huskies did play very well defensively, too, in front of Emma Paluzni. So that helped them, um, but, you know, and then also for the Huskies, the tale for this week is missed opportunities. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The, the, you know, the ones that they did have, and that was a breakthrough, they were ones where it that's probably the next step for this hockey team, honestly, is, you know, teams like Wisconsin and Minnesota, they bury those. St. Cloud mm-hmm. isn't quite capitalizing on all those opportunities that they are creating, that they do get into those high-danger areas, so um, there's still some growth, but you know, for overall, I mean, St. Cloud still, I feel like this year they're playing with a much better pace. They're actually creating um offense in different ways they look like they're playing poised and confident with the puck and they've got two freshman defensemen uh out there that actually know how to move the puck move their feet actually can read the ice incredibly well so um they're, they're making strides like you mentioned they're kind of back to the 500 mark almost you know if you want to throw in the exhibition game, but. Uh, still uh continuing to strive forward i think uh, i don't think it's unfair to say that if you know this team reaches 500 that's just, that's still a very very yeah. big stride forward for this hockey club and they're playing with some confidence right now which is huge for that squad as well
0: i think fifth place in the uh the wcha is definitely attainable for this group um and i think it was last year too but this group i think is taking that another step forward um and you talked about that you know that piece of just having that killer instinct um and you know this team it, they haven't really had that, that really go-to goal score, so to speak. I would say, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, um, you know, maybe um, Hallie Theodosopoulos maybe would probably be your best go-to goal scorer from a couple of years ago. And then of course you go, you know, Julia Tilkey might've been another player that you threw in there as well. Um, but yeah, this Tilkey, group, Tilkey. yeah, you're just, you're finding ways for this group, um, you know, to start to generate a little bit of offense, at least. Um, and it, I kind of relate it back to my men's hockey league. We have a couple of players who, you know, they're, they're just getting into the swing of things of learning how to play hockey and getting better at it and stuff. And they get frustrated when they, you know, get an opportunity where they're, you know, they're in position on the short side and someone makes a pass behind the net and they get, they get a puck on net, and the goal center makes a save, you know, and obviously you want to finish those as you get better and stuff. But, you know, I always tell them, you know, being in the right position and doing the right play is half the battle. And sometimes goaltenders get them. Sometimes you break a stick, you know, it doesn't matter. But for this group, like you mentioned, that next piece is finding that killer instinct and being a group that when, when the other team gives up a two on one against them, the other team is like, you know, Oh crap. Like we're, we're in trouble now. Um, Instead of feeling like they can activate a defenseman because they, they can give up a rush and they'll be okay. So St. Cloud, slowly turning themselves into that team that can push back transitionally and offensively and be able to create a couple of those opportunities too. So um, I think it's, uh, I think it's a, a great building step uh, for them, but I, we're going to have a really tough test uh, for Ohio state next weekend. It um, should be a good one there. Nick, did you
1: have anything else you wanted to add here on the women's hockey front? Uh, also, uh, Alec Cornelius, what a struggle. Yeah, um, for those who've watched that, um, you know, a little, little stutter step, if we want to call it a little stick handle, uh waits for the goaltender to open up and slid five hole. That's a goal store's goal. Um, you know, for Ali Cornelius. So I think that was re- either round four or round five. That shootout uh goaltenders actually are making quite a bit of saves. Uh, so yeah, five, five rounds. That's yep. uh and then yeah Emma Paluzzi, there definitely was you could mm-hmm. tell there was a scouting book um and Emma Peluzny that they were trying to go above her blocker um I saw at least three I think of the attempts trying to go high blocker and Palusny, she was equal to the task so um good job for Emma to keep the Huskies in the shootout and great uh, great finish there by uh, Cornelius there to just secure that shootout win and an extra point there in the standings which every point is so important though. yeah and I it goes back to that skill piece too is uh, the
0: Huskies being able to hang in during that piece of, I don't want to say adversity, but in a shootout, I mean, it's any it's any any person's game at that point. Um, you know, it's mono mono per se, um, shooter versus goaltender. And having a good goaltender helps, but also having a good shooter that has that put-away skill. Like you mentioned, it, it was a beautiful move. And uh, um, if you didn't get a chance to check it out, I would say uh, Huskies Women's Hockey, SCSU Huskies underscore WHC, all caps, is a great place to find uh, uh, some replays. Of that goal is a really nice shot, as you had mentioned. Uh, Moving over to the men's hockey side, we'll start with some trivia here. Um, And the trivia question, I would say, is... (laughs) will probably irk the ire of at least somebody, I'm sure. Um, But anyway, the trivia question for Season 3 did read. uh, Bob Motzko uh, returned to the Herb National Hockey Center last night for the first time after 13 seasons um, with St. Cloud State Men's Hockey. During his time behind the bench for the Huskies, how many first-team all Americans came out of St. Cloud State. Six of them. No. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Six of them came from the first team. I believe it's um, I can't remember if it's seven or eight all time uh, between first and second team. I think it's uh, it's also Ryan Lash and Bobby Gepford are the second team, all Americans in that group. But yes, yeah, six of them, this five was the Spive was the winner. He's a first time winner. So six first team, all Americans coming out of there. Nick Jensen, Drew LeBlanc in 2013, uh, Nick Dowd, who, who we had on, on the show about a month and a half ago uh, in 2014 Charlie Lindgren and Ethan Perau in 2017 and Jimmy Schultz in 2018. Then right after he left uh, Jimmy Schultz again, and then Patrick Newell in 2019 um, probably were pretty instrumental in Bob Moscow's tenure. I'm getting them to that point, Nick men's hockey. We've got the big discussion on hand, but let's rewind the tape a little bit. Let's start with Friday night's performance. I, you know, maybe, maybe not the best performance I would say for the huskies kind of similar a little bit to the Mankato series where they didn't have the greatest start but they kind of survived hung in a hockey and found a way to to win the game on Friday despite a uh, low shot attempts um what did you garner from uh, the home
1: and home series the first night um, on the Olympic sheet down there at 3m arena uh oh, first of all yes that was an incredibly slow start by the huskies um but you know sometimes, these bigger games, you know, going into Mariucci, that's a thats a big building. And actually, it was a building that, you know, for once had a, a little bit less empty seats than it normally has. So, yeah. um, sorry, Gophers, but I have to kind of knock you on that. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah. Um, and honestly, if you really want me to be truly a, a, an in-state rival, a top-five matchup, it shouldn't have been an empty seat in that building. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it that way. But. Yeah. Uh, The Huskies, I think, had some nerves going into this game, um, you know, going against the the big bad wolf, per se, you know, uh, of uh, Minnesota College Hockey. And I just saw a team that was just committed to defense. That's really what I saw. I saw a team that was going to play above the puck, uh, a team that was going to block shots. Um, They made life a living hell for the Gophers in the offensive Mm -hmm. zone. Um, Unfortunately, like you had pointed out, probably spent a little bit too much time in the defensive zone, but, you know, and we talked about how good teams capitalize on, you know, very little chances. Hey, uh, I'll bobble the blue. Langami, currently mm-hmm. goes into the breakaway and he pots that one. The Mason Salk was just a simple play that his second straight game winning goal uh, mm-hmm. following up. And just tapping one in between the pads of Jack LaFontaine. Supposedly he's a Mike Richter award winner. Supposedly. <laughs> uh, no, he's, he's actually a good goaltender. So um, <laughs> I, I had to get a little bit of a knock in there. No, um, he was, he was pretty good this weekend when he needed to be, um, but, but yeah, not, not the offensively forecheck check driven Huskies that, you know, as you know, that's kind of the identity of this hockey team. But, you know, when you talk about experiences, you talk about what that run through April did to this team last year is that, you know, good teams can find different ways to win. And uh, there's no question that St. Cloud was able to just keep everything to the outside. In fact, I was, I watched the second intermission. I believe it was either Blake McLaughlin or uh, I can't remember the other, um, Captain Zane, but you know, I think it was uh, Ben Clymer asking, you know, "What do you do?" And he, you know, they just literally had a loss for words. Like, you know, we're doing everything we can, but I, I don't know how we're going to get a puck in behind, you know, their forwards and the knee. They're blocking everything. Um, yeah. So, you know, at the end of it, Friday, a, a, a defensive front. Um, it kept uh, a very skilled, a very fast-moving Gopher team um, frustrated on offense, and the Huskies able to pull off that one two to one. Uh, that was my thoughts, from Mary Uchi. I don't know what you saw, Noah, but you know, again, uh, it, it's encouraging because, again, if your offense is there, just know this team can defend. And not, you know, if there's one place, it's not going to be Brandon Bushy had a hell of a game on Friday.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think that there's uh, there's one name and two words that summarize the new identity per se of this Huskies team. And you and I have talked about it before. And I think it's exciting to kind of see them get to this point in, in an odd fashion. The name is Dave Shayak, and the two words are grease band goals. Um, and, you know, this team and St. Cloud state, especially as you go back to the team that, you know, lost to AIC and we, and we go back historically has kind of been that high flying off the rush, you know, skill-based team and we saw last year uh you know during tournament time that they were finding a way to win battles when the tournament play got a little bit tighter when open ice became a little bit more limited and they found a way to get a little bit gritty and i think we're starting to see this team transition into um, you know, for lack of a better term, when you look at Western Michigan and the way that they play the game, the Huskies are starting to infuse a little bit of that into their game. And I think that that's what Dave Shyack, you know, brings in, into that is that little bit of grit, that sandpaper that you talked about where, yeah, you like to have your yummy crannels coming in on a breakaway, making a nice skill play. But you look at the first goal on Saturday, Sam henches a shot that starts with a four check, um, you know, with Nolan Walker deflecting a stick, getting a bounce, a shot from the point i believe maybe i think it was seamus donahue that shot that pot and then you get a a chaos in front and sam henchess finds the rebound that's of course saturday's game but you're starting to see a team that we mentioned on friday with limited shot attempts create those opportunities win battles on the half while take care of their own zone you know when they're under duress that's tournament hockey that's what happens during tournament time i mean it's not necessarily this high flying high scoring offense And I think a prime example of that when we welcome Wisconsin to town next weekend, they're really reeling from the loss of a guy like Cole Caulfield because Cole Caulfield had so much of that speed and skill that he was able to kind of overpower that, you know, mentality, so to speak, because of his skill set. but by and large, you know, you look at them without Cole Caulfield and of course, missing a couple of other pieces, they're having to rely a little bit more on that heavy game, but they just don't have enough of that grittiness mixed with skill to kind of, kind of make it happen so far in their season. They're still a good hockey team. They're still a top 20 team in the country, but they're not to the level of I think where they were last year and that's part of part of that because unlike St. Cloud, they haven't found that fusion hybrid between skill and grit right now. So I think a lot of Huskies fans from the last uh weekend against Mankato and then of course Friday moving into Saturday against the Gophers were a little bit distressed with the quote-unquote lack of offense, but I think you yeah, remember you're playing two top 5 teams in the country and you're finding ways to Um, not only hang with teams but win and I think Saturday's game the Gophers were lucky to escape that hockey game they played well in the second period to earn their lead heading into period number three but it was all Huskies in the third and they were carrying that momentum into overtime and unfortunately we all know how that one ended so let's Let's move over to Saturday, shall we? Let's let's talk about the good first. I thought the Huskies started really strong um, on Saturday, a little bit more jump, especially on home ice. A great crowd. Um, great to see uh, the Huskies fans packing the Herb National Hockey Center. Second period, uh, they didn't take they didn't keep their foot on the gas, kind of took their foot off the gas pedal, and the Gophers really found a way to convert. And the third period was just uh, some of the best college hockey you're going to see. Nick, before we get to the overtime call, what did you take away
1: from regulation in that hockey game? Uh, first of all, the return of Sam Hedges and what that does to that top line. Yes, uh, holy buckets. Uh, Sam Hedges was a guy that was on a mission, um, and he probably heard some of the comments that I had. about him no, I'm kidding. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. That's when Sam Hedges is healthy, and when Sam Hedges, you know, is is playing with a purpose. That's what you get—a guy that. You know, you know, I mean, you're talking about a guy that was every stride, every skate, you know, he, he was skating like he was like about to kill somebody. I mean, sir, I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. Um, He he was definitely, uh he was dialed into this hockey game. Um, And as you mentioned too, uh, Sam known for his skill, kind of getting that dirty. In fact, it was uh, Hentges, Walker, and I even believe, was it Brazinski All three that were in that crease area when the uh, puck was yeah. loose. You talk about, again, that Shayak influence about following up the shot and getting into those areas and winning puck battles and then a puck, gets it behind LaFontaine for the first goal. Um, really liked that. Um, the Second period, uh, yeah. So uh, the long change period, right? Noah, we, we talk about this a lot. Uh, in fact, it was actually a polar opposite from Friday. In fact, I think the Huskies had the best, uh, better, you know, out of the Gophers in the second period. Um, it was quite the opposite. Uh, you know, when the Gophers really started to work the puck more down to the low end of the hockey. Race, instead of doing that high cycle, we're looking for that, um, offense created from their defense and mind you, their defensive core, as far as offensive talent, holy cow, they're, they're pretty good. Um, so yeah. you gotta give, you gotta tip your hat, but, uh, the Gophers decide, you know what, if we're, if we're not going to have a lane there, then let's just kill time. Let's tire them out. That's the one big difference that they were really trying to force shots through on Friday. And on Saturday, they were a lot more patient trying to wait for that opening, wait for a lane to open up instead of trying to force it through having shots blocked and then having the puck come out to neutral and then having to reset. So that was the big thing. The Huskies were hemmed. They were tired. They couldn't really generate much, but they survived, right? Yep, so they only gave up two. And really, the, the second goal of Bryce Brodzinski, uh, it was kind of just a goofy play um, and then a shot through screen after Bryce just took it to the middle and then just turned and brought it rip. Uh, that's a tough play for a goaltender to read, especially from behind the net coming out so quick. You don't know. Yeah. You're trying to worry about maybe a pass to the opposite side. And uh, a release like Bryce Brodzinski, usually you'll find the back in that best circumstance more often than not. Uh, third period, as you mentioned, the Huskies dominated that period. Um, Jack Peart getting his first goal in a Husky uniform, a scene I shot somehow going through all that traffic. But hey, it goes mentality, yep, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I I think for for Jack Peart, uh, he's had some groin pains, but man, in the defensive zone, he looks phenomenal. He's an incredibly patient person with the puck. It's like he's got ice in his veins, he's going to be. Um, uh, whether it's after this season or maybe next for Nick Pertweck, he's going to be his direct replacement, no question, um, on that top pairing on the blue line but uh, a golfers answer 53 seconds later. So, I mean, you talk about, you know, building momentum and the golfers uh, kind of a goofy bounce. I'm not sure if it actually hit the stick of Sammy Walker. We didn't have a greatest camera on it, but, but again, if it goes in, they don't ask how ask how many, right? Mm-hmm. Noah? So that one squeaks through Huskies were pressing, couldn't really get a ton of them on the power play again V team yet. And he's, he's been really good in the power play um, as far as being the quarterback on the half wall. Still a lot left to be desired for him in five on five. That's a whole separate conversation with that line of Cranley, uh, yet. And then they had uh Zach Okabe back there, a line that was actually pretty darn good for their run last year, but hasn't really found a lot of uh offensive production so far early this season. So they tied up Noah Walker, the beautiful man. Is Noah Walker look so good these last couple of weekends? He's just on yeah. fire. Um, and then do we do we? <laughs> do we get into the overtime already? Yeah. You
0: know, I want to say the other piece, look at the goals of the, the way the Huskies scored in the third period. It goes back to that grittiness around the front of the net. I, I do want to point one thing out about um, Yami Kranila. I actually was a little more impressed, I think, than um, than maybe you were. And simply because um, I like that he shoots the puck. He's got a cannon of a shot. He's not afraid to use that. Um, and he had, I think it was through the, through the first period, I think he had four shot attempts already in that game. So he does he does shoot the puck, um, you know, and I don't think he's being rewarded, but I think that's kind of what we see is that you see some shooters, I think a good example, maybe at the NHL level um, is maybe Ryan Donato, a guy that, you know, kind of scores by volume a little bit. I think Kevin Fiala is maybe a little bit that way too, where puts a lot of pucks on that Kirill Kaprizov, I think fits in that mold too, but Kirill Kaprizov is just another, (laughs) another animal entirely, but you know, the Huskies kudos to them for clawing back in that game. And like I said, I think if I think if Nick Perbix is actually able to step around the net cleanly, <clears throat> uh, yeah, he would, uh, he, he would have led a, a very nice rush up the ice and the Huskies I think would have had a, a very good look um, at trying to score here. So let's, Let's get into it. The huskies losing the opening faceoff, actually forcing a really nice turnover in their own zone. It was actually a really nice curl back for Nick Perbix to kind of slow things down and try to um not Just only beta. Reset. Yeah, not only reset, but also beta forward into following him behind the net. Anytime as a defenseman, you can get a forward to follow you. Um usually means you burn them around the other side of the net. Um, okay, so let's get a couple things out of the way here, Nick. Um, first of all, yeah, that was a penalty, and that's a penalty.
1: Um at any point during a hockey game, I, I think the first. Now, the, let's, the f- let's clarify when you say penalty, because we've heard a couple of penalties at the fan bases would like to have called. What penalty are you describing? I'm calling that a hold um, simply because
0: of the fact that y- a jersey tug. Um, and when I say it's a penalty at any point in the game, I mean that in this way. There are some calls that can kind of go by the wayside as you push into overtime the referees do not want to influence a hockey game or shouldn't want to influence a hockey game as you kind of get into calls that are kind of 50 50 you know can go either way if there's not a clear advantage gained by a team you start to see the penalty calls dwindle as as the as the tension gets tighter and you get later into the game that's a call that gets called at 1907 you know, left on the clock in period number one, that's a call that should get called at any point. I mean, it was just, it was one of those that you watched it and it was almost in slow motion where it was like, they're not going to call that. Oh, they're, they're actually not going to call that like, wow. Okay. Um, And you know, it's, it's kind of difficult to think about what is going through the official's mind. The only thing that I can think of um, yeah. I mean, is, is it a makeup call? My thought was this too. I mean, did he think that maybe he caught the side of the net coming around the net from his vantage point? But, but before I get to your point, Nick, the one thing I want to point out, and we saw this on social media so much last night, we had a great conversation with Ben Holden about it. And of course he had a beautiful tweet. You know, I'm no lawyer, but that's a lot of evidence. That was pretty good. Um, <laughs> it's not a dive. And I'll tell you why it's not a dive, not just from a, from a objective hockey perspective. It's not a dive because of this. When you dive as a hockey player, every hockey player has done it at least once to sell a call. It's easy to dive when you get tripped and your momentum is taking you forward or you're falling forward or you're falling sideways. Because in order to dive, you have to kind of like convince your body or sell your body into doing that motion. It's easy to, to fall forward, you know, intentionally. I don't know a hockey player in the world that can intentionally make it look like they're falling backwards smoothly and dive backwards. Like, think about that just from a pure, like, um like body positioning proprioception point of view, you have you'd have to be willing to throw your own body backwards, like your own head backwards towards the ice. That's like, I've never seen anyone dive like that. Like, you- it's just difficult to dive backwards. It doesn't, from a from a from a human body standpoint, especially when Perpix has the puck and is stepping out, it doesn't make any sense. The way that his feet go out from underneath him is just a clear indication of someone who had momentum and all of a sudden center of mass was pulled and it took his momentum, his upper body in a different direction. I mean, that was it was about as blatant of a call or should have been as you can get as far as holding could be so anybody who says that it's a dive I think Bob Mosko even said it was a dive um well he's yeah he gets paid to say that though yes yeah, for his team so whatever. i i i I don't even know how you come to the conclusion that it's a dive because it if it was a dive it would look so awkward and unnatural I think versus how smooth his feet came out from under him the way that he was pulled but anyway Nick your thoughts
1: so, you know, I, I've watched the clip. I can't even tell you how many times, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Jersey tug it's, it's been all over social media. Um, but it's easy to say that from the broadcast angle, right? So I'm, I try to put myself in the referee's position, right? He's yeah. right in front of the play. He's in the corner. But the one thing that I've come to the conclusion on is where that Jersey tug is taking place it is directly behind his line of sight. Right. Um, so... The only really thing I can think of is, no, it's not a flop. But maybe did the referee think that, like you mentioned, did he hit the net or maybe did he just go off balance? Yeah. You know, maybe just the referee saw it as he, you know, just kind of like lost an edge with all his own power. Yeah. Um, because if you watch the referee after the play happens, he actually points down at the ice a couple different times, yeah. like indicating like he, because if it's a flop, there's still a whistle being called, right? There's right. still a stoppage of play. Um, so, and I, there's a couple of people who try to play the middle game. Like, Oh, if that's a hole, and that's a flop. I'm taking both. No, that's not how that worked either. Um, so first of all, yeah, no, not a flop in the slightest. And I think you did a really good job of breaking down just again, you know, even coming around behind the net, when you get pulled, when you're trying to lean in your, your weights on your outside skate, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you get pulled back, you're basically putting that weight on that pivot. I mean, and then you kind of get turned around. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, boy, and uh, you kind of wonder, cause I, I think that the game was actually called very well yeah. up until, Agreed. up until that point. And I think it's also important to say here Noel, that, you know, it, even let's just say the penalty wasn't called, which it should have been. Um, does that mean the Huskies win? No. Does that mean the Gophers still may have come out on top? Sure. Yeah. I'll give. I'll give and, you that. And
0: and, and I th- and I think the piece is, um, from an objective hockey perspective, if the play comes out of the zone and comes back in the zone, we're kosher. We're fine. Honestly, right. Because at that point, the play has reset. The advantage didn't directly lead to a scoring opportunity and a goal. That's
1: what it comes right. down to. It just. It was just so. It, it was so. Um he called it it was so telling that even i think was it was it sammy walker um but like everybody literally stopped like yeah. not like everybody stopped it was like mm. and he threw his hands up like crap right yeah and there were folks who were like you're such a homer like that was a total flop if if that was you know hucks he's making that you would say that that was a flop yeah. you know, i'm like no no i would be saying hey idiot why are you taking <laughs> such a dumb penalty in overtime um, when there was no need to take a penalty
0: there yeah 200 right? feet from your own cage 200 feet from your yeah. own net right? and, and i and like i said my parents are gophers fans they called me after the game and they said what the hell was that they said that's ridiculous they said that's shameful so yeah. and, and i think a lot of gopher fans um in the building and we had seen too that uh probably about nine or ten players in the line for the gophers even said the same thing that that you know, where, what, 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 was the deal with that? Was that? So, and, and, then, and, and that's where you go beyond the rivalry and just be objective and say, eesh, not a way you want right. to win a hockey
1: and You'll take it if you're Minnesota, but. Well, of course you'll take it. You uh-huh. I think, you know, if, if you're, if you're a player in this game, right. You know, and again, this was a phenomenal back and forth hockey game. This was a top five matchup, no question about it. And I think Pat, I know Pat, Jim and Mark, had talked about it. It's kind of stains the hockey game. Um, And I think, you know, you take away this play, right? And let's just say they go for still end up scoring, right? I'm not as upset as I am now that a call that should have easily been made should have been made is what directly leads to something like this. And again, with, with Sammy Walker, he's got the hands. Rennick was deep in his net. I mean, everybody, I mean, nobody was reset there for the Huskies. Nobody. Two converged on Blake McLaughlin. He had a nice heads up play. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, everybody was completely, uh, disorganized after that for the Huskies, um, kind of waiting for like, okay, wait, where's the whistle here. Right. So, um, you got to give credit to the golfers there too, because again, when the referee point is hand down, like I said, I don't know if that indicates that you just say slip, um, but again, if yeah. it's a flop, the yeah. arm's going up and there's a whistle, that's a penalty. They played so, through, they played through the whistle. You, essentially. you played through the whistle, yeah. right. You don't hear the whistle. You keep going. Right. So, yeah. um, you got to give them credit to there. And again, uh, I'll re-mention this again, you know, let's just say the Huskies get a power play. They can't convert. Um, and the Gophers come up with a nice rush because we get caught being too aggressive. They have plenty. I'm very, very fine with that because then I can point at the Huskies and say, yeah, a little bit, a little bit too aggressive there, right? I'm okay with losing to in a hockey way. That was not a hockey play.
0: Yeah. You know, Mark Parrish said it really well, though, as he said, you know, and I have to agree with this. He said, there's nobody that's going to feel worse about this than the official, especially that's when he gets true. back into the room. You know, he He'll he, see is, the tape. he is human, um, you know, and, and from his vantage point, you know, like we talked about, he might have thought that pervix just lost an edge too. And, you know, he, he doesn't want to, you know, be an influence and decide a hockey game like that. And, you know, a- as we go back to that too, you know, what if he you know, in an alternate reality where he's not talking and he does lose his balance. We're looking at that. And then the Huskies um, go on to lose that game. We're looking at that saying, yes, thanks. The Huskies lost, but what a great non call that was because perfect lost an edge. You know what I mean? Um, There is, there is a human element to this game. Um, uh, Like I said, I, I've talked about this story before. I lost my chance to go to a state tournament off a goal that actually went off the crossbar for the game winner. It happens. Um, But with this being said, I think there's a couple things that we need to put in perspective here. Number one, we welcome Wisconsin next weekend. Huskies fans, um, <laughs> they've been known to do this, and I get the frustration. And I, I, Kevin Fitzgerald said it, you know, that, that it's going to fuel us for a long time. Let's take a breath. Let's take a step back. Four to three loss in overtime, a split on the weekend to a top five team in the country, a split last weekend to a top, top team in the country um, in at, that, at that time. You have a chance to, I think, sweep Wisconsin next weekend. A lot of good things to take from this hockey group, a well-played hockey game up to this point, a great effort on Home ice, being down entering period number three at two points during that period to be able to like, you know, bring themselves back into that hockey game. A lot of good things for this group. Um, and and a lot of things that we can take positives from and take a deep breath and say, okay, it was a four to three overtime loss. It's probably not going to burn us in the pairwise. Okay. A split is not going to burn us with the university of Minnesota. Okay. We got a good hockey team here. Okay. <laughs> and don't let one play detract from how good this team is, how great those jerseys looked last night, by the way, yeah, looked really um, nice. those were beautiful. Um, and what is to come for this group? And if anything, you know, use that fuel for the fire, as Kevin said, in, in the right way. I think with Brett Larson and this coaching staff, you let the frustration kind of simmer a little bit last night. And today you reset on Monday, you get back to the drawing board, you get back to work, you get back to the grind. Mentally. I think that the coaching staff will do a great job to prepare this team to get ready for the upcoming in Wisconsin. And we're going to see a great Huskies hockey team this year. And if anything, like you mentioned it, it'll, it'll, it'll fuel the fire a little bit. So the frustration's there. um, But you know, it's not, it, it wasn't in the NCAA tournament. You know, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't the dagger that knocked them out. It's it's week number three of a very long hockey season and finally a regular season um, in terms of scheduling that we had waited for for a long time. So and a lot of positives to take just in general, David Rennick, what a weekend he had. He was phenomenal. A couple of weekends in a row. Yeah, played really, really well. Looking Um, like the goaltender we've hoped. So, Nick, I mean, anything else that you you take away from this series that was that was good?
1: Yeah. Final thoughts, you know, uh, on this. And again, I think we we forget, you know, in moments like these, you know, you get so hyper focused on, you know, that turning moment, you know, per se. And, and as you mentioned, you kind of have to take a step back and look at this. Um, you know, you come in, uh, you have, you know, your, your, your <laughs> I don't want to call it a tune-up game, uh, but you have, you know, a kind of introduction of St. Thomas, you get two wins there, right? Then you go right to a number one team in the country and you split yep. uh, the second, you know, uh, game where you win, you win three, uh, one, you go into a very, very hostile environment in Mariucci. You win there, you lose in, uh, you know, a very goofy way at home in homecoming against the Gophers, but you're splitting against a number four team in the country, right? Yep. If there's anything under the positive we can take away this high level of competition this early, um, we've got to remember we haven't even stepped from the NCHC conference yet. Yeah. Talk about what this is doing to get this team ramped up and prepared for the gauntlet that is the NCHC conference, right? You know, there's going to be a lot of teams that we've looked at and said that top six of the NCHC could be freaking good this year. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, we, we've <laughs> or the, or the top eight <laughs> or the top eight. Right. So, I mean, at the end of it, and Josh Fenton was in the building uh, for Huskies golfers law yesterday. So again, he made the trip uh, from Litchfield all the way up to uh up to St. Cloud to take in that hockey game. Uh, but yeah, I mean there's there's some good to this too, right? I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have a better advantage against Wisconsin to feel good. Uh, but again, I mean you're gonna be looking at the film, uh, the gopher's Mavericks and again with the the badgers here to go, all right, these are some good opponents and now how good would it, would it be to feel ready to feel battle test a little bit to go into the NCHC conference schedule? I mean, so yeah. that's some positives, honestly, they did some positives because again, mm-hmm. uh, North Dakota is always a team that uh, plays the Huskies. Well, um, you know, they're going to have that circled on their, on their calendar. Um, you know, obviously Duluth, you know, they're a team that's right there with the Huskies neck yeah. and neck in that they, conference. They had a great series with Bemidji this weekend. too. They did. So, you know, and Bemidji uh, actually, I think yesterday took one on overtime over North Dakota. So uh, for, for, those who did the effing Hawks win the answer is still no. So that's great. So, <laughs> uh, but no, you know, and that's just it. You gotta, you gotta look at this as, Hey, we're, we're getting, we're getting ready. We're getting battle tests. Again, as we, we've talked about it before, this is the rebuilding part of the season, you know, and then to have these matchups this early is really forcing the Huskies to have that steeper learning curve. And so it's going to, it's going to uh, only, I think, provide more pauses and, and uh, you know, for the season as we move forward into the conference schedule. Yeah. Two thoughts for me. Um, two great things to take away from this weekend.
0: Number one, regardless of the outcome, what a great weekend for college hockey and what a great weekend for Huskies fans getting back to the Herberts National Hockey Center, filling that building up. Kudos. Huskies fans, doing doing your job, getting getting college hockey back in that building. I mean, what a great atmosphere, uh, and what a great opportunity to have a WCHA foe. And I think it'd be great if they have it every year. Where at least the Gophers, for sure, come to town every year for that home and home series. Um be. just fantastic. But yeah, Gophers fans, fill um, 3M Arena or Huskies fans, let's bring the entire uh, municipality of Saint Cloud, Waite Park, and the surrounding area. Let's bring them down to 3M Arena and show them how Huskies hockey works. My favorite moment of the weekend, Nick, it's going to sound weird. After the goal is scored, after the overtime loss last night, David Rennick turns around, gets ready to snap his stick over the crossbar and pretty much swung it into his glove hand and stopped himself, turned around and skated up and got ready for the handshake line. That level of maturity, obviously a fifth-year player, but especially for a goaltender who the play is not on him at all by any means, had a fantastic weekend to kind of reset and say, we're all right. We're doing okay. It's one, game. it's one game. It's one game in week three of the season against, you know, it's not like they lost to, you know, no offense to them. Not like they lost to Princeton, you know, who might be ranked, you know, number 58 in the country or something like that. They lost to a top five team in the country. It was a great learning experience for them. Great learning experience for a lot of these young players, Mason Solquist, Jack Pierre, Josh Ludecky, Um, you know, players like that, that, you know, get their first taste of growing pains, get their first taste of a, a slice of Huskies hockey history and how it has gone for this program in recent years. I, I have every reason to believe that this group will come out composed. They'll come out firing. And if anything, you know, it'll poke the bear a little bit. And I think we might even see a better Huskies hockey team come next weekend. And then after that, Nick, we're into some NCHC hockey already, um, and and some great opponents, uh, middle of the pack opponents potentially in the NCHC. Although we never know how that's going to work till it shakes out, but what should be middle of the pack opponents if the Huskies play the right way. So a lot of great things to take, and I think David Rennick's example of letting the emotion be there, but not letting it negatively impact you and the way that you portray yourself and carry yourself as a hockey player. A lot of veteran leadership and, and a lot of uh, a lot of great. You know, uh, maturity shown from David Rennick in this group to, to move on to the next task, and they'll be they'll be better for it in the end, I think. So, um, Nick, I think that's going to do it. We're <laughs> we're quite over time. Um, I, um, over time, does that make sense? Um, let's just say we fell for that one. Oof. Anyway, that will do oh, it boy. for 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 the regular portion of our show. Um, stick around for the extra session. We're going to talk a little uh, a little bit about the Minnesota Wild um, and their first two wins as they have gone two and zero on the season. And welcome in to the Extra Ice Session. Nick Maxson is to my left. If you're watching the YouTube screen, I'm on your right. I'm Noah Grant. We're happy to have you here. Um, A really great show so far. If you didn't get a chance to listen to some Huskies hockey talk, especially talking about, uh, I don't know, some controversial play Um, maybe go back and rewind we'll talk about it for you we'll break it down for you as always Uh, the Minnesota Wild uh, no breakdowns for them finding a way to uh, take care of Anaheim in kind of gutsy fashion two to one Marcus Foligno the game winner was 7.2 seconds um, on Friday and then last night on Saturday uh, it was a California sweep Uh, the Minnesota Wild hanging on for a 3-2 to win despite a goal um, that was disallowed for them uh, a very good showing i thought um, in the second half of that game for the most part against the la kings in the late night matchup. there uh marcus felino leading this hockey team right now with two points as well as Kirill kabrizov and kevin fiala are the three lone players with two points on this roster um and marcus felino has 19 of the 33 penalty minutes as well <laughs> for this minnesota wild squad nick uh we've seen a couple of line combinations a couple of jugglings freddie goudreau getting a little bit more ice time than i think a lot of people would have given him credit for Brendan Duheim, I think has looked very well, had a goal disallowed yesterday. Uh, this Minnesota wild team, I, you know, thoughts on the lineup and uh, their first couple wins wins uh, to start the season
1: to start the season. Yeah, a little sloppy uh, against Anaheim. Yeah, uh, no question about it, but uh, that's uh, I think more rust than it is anything else. You know, you're not going to have your best performance game one, but you find a way to, to make it work. And uh, the moose, the moose got loose there. Seven point two seconds left, as you mentioned, um, certainly, the emotional leader on the hockey squad is Marcus Folino. So happy to see him get rewarded and get on the score sheet as well. Uh, a little bit better on the, uh, on Saturday night here against the Los Angeles Kings. And speaking of the Kings, they look pretty. They look okay. Yeah, they do. Um, they, they look okay. The um, Victor Arvidsson a couple, and then Philip to um, again having that you know bona fide second line center uh, has really solidified that top six for Los Angeles I think they're going to be a much better team yeah. this year and I um, and I hate to say it but Drew Dowdy did look good except for the defensive laps that he got beat on last night he did look good but man I man, I hate <laughs> Drew Dowdy anyway <laughs> he's uh, he, he plays with an edge right and uh, you have <sighs> to kind of match fire with fire and Ryan Hartman you know they've been battling out Sof and then like to battle and uh, when Ryan Hartman scored that goal and uh, let yeah. us you know about it uh, pretty emphatically that was uh that was pretty funny that that's you know that that's that game within the game right you know that you talk about the hockey players and those little battles you know when you're on shift or you know shift to shift you get matched up against certain players there's definitely some numbers that you take as a player and go oh, yeah it would just be nice to win a battle against him uh, and then try to you know make something get on the score sheet somehow and for <laughs> Ryan Hartman first of all and I thought maybe one extra pass too many from Victor Ras there I believe it was the one that set him up yeah. Um, but right, Hartman, good backhand, forehand over the roof. There, Jonathan Quick, and able to pop that one up high, and uh, get the loud celebration right in front of Drew Doughty. So, but that's <laughs> that's hockey, right? I mean, you're going to yeah. have those villains, and you're going to have those personalities that you have to battle through. And uh, so far, in the Wild again two wins on the season um, you know, is LA the best team in the world? No. Is Anaheim the best team in the world? No. Um, you could say I would, you know, Anaheim's probably in a, in a nice deep rebuild, but at the end of it, um, going to have a little bit better competition on Tuesday as the wild well return home for Winnipeg. Um, I can't remember. I know they played last night too, if they had won their game, but, uh, you know, at the end of it, it's some confidence early and Caprice looks as we expected. He hasn't quite, uh, found the back of the twine just yet, but, uh, with zuccarello uh still that chemistry is is widely there um i know that looks like dean and i almost saw this in last night's game sometimes you put victor Raspek there uh instead of eric's neck a little bit of line juggling just to try to see if there's some uh, offensive And uh did you have a scoreboard yes update, yes i
0: do the jets are actually 0-2 on the season they lost 4-3 to last night against the sharks so um oh, in san in san, Ho- in san jose so the sharks I don't mean to be that guy, but uh, they are they are undefeated at one and zero right now, <laughs>
1: as are the Buffalo Sabers. <laughs> They're two and zero, yeah, which is weird. <laughs> anyway, so well, what ends up happening is what's called a market correction. So <laughs> 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 uh, uh, it would be shocking if any of that trend would continue for either squad. Yeah, speaking uh, of
0: trends in the Central, though, the kind of a side tangent. What is going on, Chicago? In Chicago?
1: What the oh, 13
0: boy. goals allowed in three games, uh, of course, losing on Friday, four to three on that. I think Chicago, if I'm not mistaken, played last night. Yeah. Losing five to two to the
1: Penguins like last six, night. Right. Yeah. Oof. Tough. Oof. And, and from what it sounds like, it's been their starts, right? I guess they've been getting yes. scored like six, nothing in the first period. So it's been. Uh, you know they're 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 taking themselves out of hockey games before they take you know putting themselves into hockey games and you yeah. know in the, in the NHL we talk about this college hockey too but there's some, you know there's teams and the good teams you know they know how to clamp down and you know they get two or three goal lead and good luck trying to get back at them uh, NHL it's even it's even more tough right especially if you have good teams that have good defensive structure and you know you can get a two goal lead you're confident you can just lock things down um, uh, for Chicago. Um, Really thought, especially with the addition of Marc-Andre Fleury, Seth Jones, uh, that this team was going to be a little bit reinvigorated, but so far, not so much. And, you know, yeah. is it maybe the fact that it's so many new faces and they're just not quite in sync just yet? It could be that there. You no, know I think that's might be a, a fair assessment. Again, I haven't watched them play just yet, but just thinking in terms of how much turnover Chicago has had, uh, you know, especially this offseason, I'm kind of wondering if it's just not everybody's on the same page just yet. So, uh, because if you look at that roster for Chicago, this should be much better than 0-3. And yeah. I, I do have a gut instinct that tells me that given some time, and they'll turn it around. I really do think they will.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: You know, uh,
0: you know, the team that I'm actually really impressed with right now, it's actually on the Pacific that's Edmonton. Um, you know, Edmonton. Oh, wait, I mean, do they have some guys that are good on that team or something? Yeah. Or? I mean, they, they, won, <laughs> they won five to two against Calgary last night. Of course you talk about, uh, you talk about Chicago and their little, uh, um, little piece too. uh, moving Duncan Keith, uh, in that trade, I think the Oilers are going to look very good this year. Um, and not that, not that they don't, but I think they're going to look good beyond the impact of dry side David. I guess they've impressed me through two games. So have the Panthers, obviously five to one, Sam Bennett a hat trick last night against the Islanders. You know, I think the Panthers are finally becoming that team that we had expected, but, uh, um, yeah, moving back to the Minnesota wild, um, A lot of great things to take care of, of course, Kurokabrasov on the board early, um, part of that team leader, so to speak, with two assists. Um, You know, that's always good to see. I think it'd be nice, Erickson Eck, you know, getting him on the board and maybe uh, Jared Spurgeon and, uh, you know, throw Nick Bukestad in there as well. If you can get those three guys on the board in the next game or two, I think that'll just build a little bit more confidence. But, you know, this Minnesota Wild team. Has depth in a weird way. Um, you know, they don't have center depth. I think that's let's put that out there right but now. I've never had that, so that's not new. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think Miko Koivu could probably come back in and be a third line center on this team. Um, <laughs> in the second maybe of some, night. yeah. Um, um which um, I think everybody w- would love that because everyone loves Miko Koivu, right? They've never had any issues with him in the latter stages of his never. career, not not once anyway. Um, they have depth. Uh, it, we've always talked about this team winning by committee. But the way that they balance their lines, I kind of like it. They've really got that true forward. I feel like on each line that is that gritty forward. They've got that forward on that line that is kind of that skill-based guy that's going to pot a couple of goals, but really is kind of a playmaker. And then they've got a goal scorer on each line. And it's kind of been an interesting mix to see, you know, who is playing what role and who fits in. I got to be honest with you, Nick, you know, uh, again, we're talking about centers, a guy that everyone's been hard on Victor Rask. I thought has looked very good to me. He's like, he's fine. The, yeah, he's the only forward. I know this doesn't, take a lot of heat ins but there's only three players in this Minnesota Wild team who are plus 2. Um John Merrill and Dimitri Kulikov, which is a great sign for Minnesota and then Victor Rask is the only other one that's plus 2 on the forward side. So I I mean don't read into that obviously too much but you know with 10 and a half minutes of ice time he's got a point to his credit, a shooting percentage right now at 25 with four total shots in the season. Um I think he's doing all the right things right now and you know, like we talked about, you know, if he's getting paid $1.5 million a year, do we have a problem with this? Uh, I don't think that we do. I think he's looked very well. Another guy that I think has kind of flown under the radar right now and a guy that we've kind of been waiting a little bit for. He hasn't been exceptional, but he's looked good. I think Jordan Greenway has looked okay. I think he's possessed the puck all right, controlled the puck along the half wall, and and, and looked all right with his puck possession game. Just not a guy that has a lot of get up and go. I think just because of the nature of his size and, you know, he's not a very speed-based guy, but you know, I think he's looked okay. Marcus Foligno just continues to be an animal, definitely worthy of the A on his sweater. He's looked very good. And that third pairing defense, Demetri Kulikov, John Merrill, they've looked very good so and far. they looked good. And, so, yeah. Uh, and um, I think that first pairing, I think Alex Goligosky, Jared Spurgeon, if you can get them into the points column a little bit would be important. So, um, and goaltending, has been more than adequate uh, with cam talbot and net so nick i mean w- what are you what are you anticipating here with this group as that they, they kind of face winnipeg and get ready we should actually pull up their schedule here for the week let me see if i can find that um as i'm kind of talking to you there but um this minnesota wild group i uh, you know is there anything that you're feeling really great about and is there one thing that you're thinking this needs some serious tweaking right away
1: uh, I mean, it's only two games, right? So you, you, yeah. you don't want to go over the top with it. Uh, not so, that we've ever done that as to sports fans, but not at all. Right. So just, <laughs> we just can't have nice things. Uh, a couple of things that I, I don't know. if I'll rephrase the question a little bit. A couple of things I'm looking for for this squad as we continue throughout the season a little bit. How about Freddie Goudreau um, yeah. getting on the board yesterday? Um, you know, He's put himself in some pretty good spots um, mm-hmm. on that line. Uh, him and Fiala, there obviously is some chemistry there, and uh, Fiala is kind of being more of the setup guy. Uh, yeah. when for Gaudreau, had kind of uh, seen him in the slot, set up for a one timer. Um, again, he did pot one, and uh, he, he's got a decent shot. Uh, but more so, it's it's the fact that he's going to the scoring areas, and they're finding him there. Um, that level of his offensive, you know, creativity. And creating those great eight chances, I think it's going to go a long way uh, for this Minnesota Wild squad. There's one thing that I think was obvious in Vegas last year, uh, uh, this last playoff run was you know, obviously they shut down Caprice up and it seemed like the entire offense just came to a stall, right? But if you're going to have multiple lines are able to create, right? Not necessarily produce, but at least create, you know, that, that's something to think about that will eventually wear on teams. And then also eventually if these things continue to, to, uh, to build, it, it, those are going to be uh, chances. They're going to actually finally start finding the score sheet too. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of that production from that second and especially that third line. Yeah. Uh, uh, I guess what's yet to be uh, for me, if there's anything to be desired is, you know, yeah, it's, it's early, right. So, uh, Kulikov and, uh, and John Merrill have looks good. Can they continue that? Um, yeah. and also, you know, can we, um, can we please avoid an injury on our back end? Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> uh at, at the end of it, uh, I think it's obvious. I think Jordy Bend is, is going to have a lot of time in the press box with his performance throughout the, through the preseason. Um, uh, I still think that if Merrill or Kulikapita one gets injured, I think he's probably the natural replacement, not Kalen Addison, just because Addison to me is not a bottom three uh type defenseman he's a top yeah. four you know now, a, now if you see an injury god forbid in the top four you might see Kalen addison get the call up i mean i think you like, would see him get the call up i don't think you're going to move anybody else into that into that role because i don't think anybody else would thrive in that role that's you know that's the big thing right so um but uh again Goligoski and spurgeon i think they're still kind of feeling each other out but again uh Brodine and matt Dumbo, i think matt dumbos pretty good too yeah early on you know he's i think he's really starting to settle down again back to time, especially time, time to trade him nick dude it's been time to trade him in this fan base for ever since oh, they drafted him my god so <laughs> and granted we we've i've had qualms with him too i've had qualms of this game well especially yeah. defensively when he was a little bit too offensively focused i think he's starting to balance it a little bit more um and he's finding you know the right times and again it's all about timing his defenseman right when to go up and make that offensive player one day simply say you know what i need to live to fight another day i need to back off and play defense and um he, he's definitely i think before his chest injury was it two years ago maybe three yeah. Um, I thought he was actually really starting to you know, kind of mold into that. The injury really set him back, and I, I really kind of feel bad for him. But now he's starting to find that balance again. And I think he's looked really, really good. He's creating chances. He's really, doing great on some of those stretch passes that he has. He's got good vision. Um, and we know that, you know, uh, in the offensive zone, he's got a good shot. And, you know, so if he can utilize that more, um, he's worth every pay the while of him.
0: Yeah, perfect middle-pairing defenseman and a little bit of a power play specialist or power play slot in, so to speak. Uh, the Minnesota Wild, uh, like you mentioned, Tuesday, October 19th against Winnipeg, and then they've got some time off. They've got to Saturday against Anaheim and then next Sunday against Nashville before heading uh, to Vancouver, Seattle, and uh, Colorado before uh, getting back home at the start of November. So, um, you know... Uh, if I had to say one thing that kind of impressed me and Kevin Fiala was kind of uh, the beneficiary of this in the broadcast last night, uh, a lot of the forwards being defensively sound. I know that's been, I know that's been Minnesota wild MO for a lot of years, Um, but having players that are, you know, streaky goal scorers like Fiala be out in those dying moments in a one goal hockey and play so well defensively um, that just bodes well. Cause then once the offensive production starts to come, um, creating a bunch of essentially glorified jewel Erickson X great, great 200 foot players on both sides of the puck. I think, um, would look good for the Minnesota wild. They've looked good defensively. I think the forwards have, um, throughout most pieces here. What do you got?
1: Well, just on that note, you know, you can't win a Stanley cup, um, unless your fours know how to play defense. I mean, you just can't, uh, you can't be a one dimensional figure in this league anymore. You have to be able to play both sides of the puck and, you know, think about it this way if you're up one goal it's in a playoff you know say it's elimination game and you're heading in and let's just say you had the matchup but all of a sudden you know you're spending 45 60 seconds uh loading your own zone and you know they've had their change so they got the matchup they want you can't control that, right? And so much yeah. your goaltender can get a freeze. Um, you have to be able to trust whoever you have out there as a coaching staff to be able to, you know, keep the uh, keep the structure there to be able to defend well. So uh, I think it's great the fact that you know dean and not only is building these players to be two way forwards, but also being able to say, hey, early in the season, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't know if you want to say it's a test, but he's gonna say, I'm gonna trust you to go do this because guess what? Every game is important. Every point, especially the central division, it's every point's going to be so well worth it, especially if we get towards the end of the year. And, you know, darn well that it's going to be you know, much bigger dividends in the playoffs that this team can, you know, punch their ticket, which I think they will. Um, so, yeah, you know, actually, a, actually a player that did that um, very well,
0: um, during his career with Minnesota Wild was actually Zach Parisi, a guy who could play very well on both sides of the puck. And when he was out, he was often uh potentially a penalty killer or a guy that you put out in the latter stage, just knowing that he could he could do both things. Uh Zach Parisi, I just want to pull up his stats. Uh, two games played uh, for the Islanders, no points. He's minus one in the season. So um just kind of wanted to see how he was doing um in his new sweater. I haven't gotten a chance. Why don't while we're here, uh shall we shall, we go, shall we go to Ryan Souter? Shall we? Sure. Um Dallas Stars, uh, two games played for him. Uh one assist on the season he's minus two so far so um yeah maybe the grass
1: isn't greener anyway uh,
0: nonetheless uh uh yeah one thing i think the jersey
1: was- is though in dallas so <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was awesome um anyway that was that was very good um i'm impressed <laughs> Um, I, I know Caleb Peabody isn't here, but I'm going to give Nick one point in the Caleb Peabody match. That was just, that was, just, that was just that good. Um, speaking, speaking of things that the Minnesota wild, I do need to kind of tighten up on a little bit. Um, I think just having a little bit more transitional speed. Um, you know, this is a group that is a little bit slower, I think, um, uh, and they're trying to get younger, but um, with the addition, you know, Freddie Gaudreau, you know, Brandon Duheim, kind of more of those guys that are a little bit more gritty sandpaper, Jordan Greenway S type guys, Marcus Felino S type type guys. They're making it happen, they're making it work, but a little bit more
1: speed, I think, um, would bode well for them. So yeah, I think got? that's just I think that's early season rust, if yeah. anything. And it's more so again, you have some new faces, you have new line combinations, yep. you know, and, and oftentimes you you your your heads up, the instincts aren't quite there yet, where you figured out that this player, you know, when you have the you know, they're they're going at this speed and you're, you're just trying to keep the structure. I, I think it'll get faster as the season goes along. So I'm not too worried about it, but yes, uh, when you're in transition, you just, you, you gotta get North, you know, you, you can't um, wait, but you also want to make sure too. no one, you, sh- you know, as a forward, you know, we both know this, you can also get ahead of the play too, by just getting too fast. So, you know, at the end of it, Make sure you come up through the, you know, as a group to the neutral zone to make sure you have support on the puck when you cross that offensive blue line. So, um, you know, again, in NHL, everything has to be faster. They'll get there. I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you mentioned, every play has to head
0: north. Speaking of heading north, we welcome our visitors from the north as we head back to Minneapolis, St. Paul um, at the Exile Energy Center in Minnesota Wild. Like you mentioned, October 19th on Tuesday, hosting Winnipeg. That one's going to be at uh, seven o'clock central. Um, that's kind of the only weekday one until we get to Saturday where Anaheim comes back to town at the Exile Energy Center, as well as Nashville. So uh, definitely keep tabs on your Minnesota Wild. Not a whole lot of hockey, Going on in the Minnesota professional and college hockey ranks this week uh, during the weekday, of course, but uh, that only means more time for some high school hockey, right? Checking that out and uh, getting around to your local rink around the state of Minnesota. So Nick, do we have anything else that we wanted to add uh, for this show?
1: No, not that I can think. I mean, I can't even think <laughs> after this weekend. It's been such a busy one, but Hey, uh, for, for all of the hockey world for Minnesota, again, great series uh, for the Huskies, men's great series of the Huskies women while they're two yeah. and oh, they're undefeated. Uh, Knock on wood or stone or the hell it is that you know this this counter is made of something like that. Uh but uh you know so, so it's some good hockey it's hockey. Hey, it's October. This is what we've been waiting for. And I uh, can't wait to see what the rest of the season holds for either of these squads. It's gonna be fun to fall. We'll have it all right here for you in the Hussies Warming Ghost podcast.
0: Yeah, it should be good. Uh like you had mentioned. That was actually a pretty good segue. I'm kind of sad that I actually jumped in there because it would have been a great end of the show. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, you're like, you're like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Anyway, um, you know, WCHA action, like you mentioned on uh, Ohio State, Minnesota filling out that one, two spot Wisconsin followed by St. Thomas is actually in that four spot right now after their performance against St. Cloud, Duluth, Minnesota state, Bemidji, and then followed by St. Cloud. I think St. Cloud will start to climb in the standings there. Get out, support that women's hockey team. It was a great opportunity to kind of, to follow up uh, them and then follow by the men's team on Saturday. So definitely get a chance when they come back home returning, I think it's after next weekend um, or could be the weekend after we'll keep you updated on that. Um, check out some women's hockey too. Um, they definitely don't get some love from the attendance side and they definitely need it. So, um, Speaking of attendance, we're working on a guest, hopefully, uh, coming up this week. We'll keep you detailed on that one. Then, of course, episode number 84 (laughs) is on the docket already. can't believe it's been 84 episodes um, coming up this Sunday. Just... uh, Feels like we just started doing this. No, I'm just kidding. It feels like we've been doing it for a long time, doesn't it? (laughs) Eighty-four.
1: to haven't punched my computer screen yet. That's that's a positive. Well,
0: well, on the air, so to speak. Um, you should you should see Nick off the air, especially when he hasn't had his cup of coffee or his his spiked orange juice. It it gets yes, (laughs) spiked. (laughs) <laughs> non-pulp is spiked apparently so <laughs> yeah it, it it definitely gets dangerous who knows we'll have to have Caleb peabody on speaking a yes at some point i think in the near future maybe go huskies will again too we'll have to have to bring those guys back but nonetheless we'll be back here as always here soon in the day
1: one-timer come in, they score Ripped and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies! Dwayne Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it, he scores! Kirill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner! St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.